Welcome, everybody. This is Clues Chronicle issue 21. Today we're discussing Ebola. It was one of the threads, right, in Clues form that we want to go over. We've got yeah, several. and I remember Fakeologist had a, a good, fakeologist.com had a good crossover with Clues Forum on this topic. There was a lot of, we were calling out people, you know, just acting sick, getting up, walking around, and then, oh, lay down here, and that kind of, there was some weird videos of Ebola happening. Yeah, kind of fishy, and they happen to be in Liberia, also one of the few countries that speak English in Africa. <laughs> That's lucky for mm-hmm. us. Now, why would that be suspicious or not suspicious? Because we can use all their propaganda for our propaganda. So there's signs on the street that say, watch out, Ebola's coming. You know, and you see right. African people walking by and covering their mouth. We can take those pictures and use them in our media, too. And it makes sense. If those street I see signs what you're were, saying. Yeah, if they were even in an African language, we wouldn't know what they meant. I wonder if that also affects Liberia in the sense that they see our movies, they see our propaganda, and they are just as brainwashed as English speakers in the uh, white parts of the world. Right. I think they all have their own brainwashing system. But did we introduce ourselves yet? Oh, no. Um, I'm Hoi Poloi. Hi, Hoi. Hi. Hoi Poloi. I've heard that name before. Aren't you the guy who did the Vixim report? Yes, that's me. Ah, that's right. The famous Vixim of 9-11 that... You looked at all the people who died, and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, briefly, there was a group of people at 9-11 Movement, and that was a forum run by some people that, yeah, I mean, presumably people. <laughs> there were Killtown and some others. And Brian V. had been looking into this topic for some time, and we started going, wait a minute, if these Business. We started looking at the businesses, and there were some questions about which ones were in the towers and which were not, which seemed like um, if this had really happened, there should be some kind of consensus on that. But there wasn't, and there wasn't consensus either on who exactly was in the tower and who was not. It was very strange. So we looked into it and started finding a lot of weird shit and discovered that, yeah, as you can find in, in our stories in episodes one and two, there's a lot of propaganda made around 9-11 and other stories. But who are you? Who are you? Oh. What are you doing here? Hey. uh, Hi, I'm Kay. Kay, Hi, Kay. Kay Ham. Kay Hamal. Kay Ham. You are the person that had Kay Ham Radio at Fakeologist, and you often talked with Rochelle and Vadir and, like, reflected on all sorts of ways that people are sort of subjected to fear porn and controlled through fear through the media. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, me and Vidir talk a lot about that. We just, fear porn, we're just like, ah, we're so sensitive to it because we're just bludgeoned with it daily in the media. Yeah. Um, Some people are drawn to that. Yes, please tell me all about these horrific things without questioning or researching it. It's more just, it seems like it, for a lot of people, it's more an emotional experience than, than like a logical, rational experience. I think so. It's just like Facebook. Oh my gosh, hoy. 
these women pass around the most horrific Facebook stories of dead babies, you know, and tortured babies. I'm like, I, and they send it my way. I'm like, you know, I'm blocking you, girlfriend. I'm not reading stories about dead babies. Sorry. <laughs> There's some people who love dead babies and dead baby jokes. Remember that? Oh, my goodness. That was what year? When did those start? Like 20 years ago? It seemed like 30 years ago almost. That didn't last too long. Those helpless little pink little babies. Gallows humor, yeah. Gallows. Oh, babies of all colors, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm thinking of my babies. <laughs> they were all. <laughs> I wanted brown babies. That's. I married my husband. He's you know Arab, as I've said before, and he's a little dark. It was like I wanted tan babies because I was so pale my whole life. People used to shout out at cars at me, like, you'd be cute if you got a tan. Oh, man. Aren't people mean? <laughs> yeah, people are they are pretty racist all around and afraid. That's right. probably why the media is so successful at, yeah, making us hate one another. It, it taps into what already exists. Right, our natural fears and things like that. Yeah, it's it's irresponsible of them to exasperate that, though. I mean, it's just like... It's just a jerk move. Like, why would you shout fire in a crowded theater and, you know, that kind of thing? I know. It's part of their strategy attention, isn't it? Don't they want us to not get along? I, think I the wonder. I, you know, I that. wonder that often. Whoever it seems like there's, there are genuine, genuinely groups that don't get along with each other. And we are sometimes beholden to these different groups. And then other times it seems like there's a class of wealthy people that who that lead lives that we can't even imagine in terms of privilege and uh, like property you are so right i can say that now i have experienced the difference flying first class with my husband on his boeing business mm. trips not all the time it just depends like you can add if he's already in first class you know and the um, stewardesses or the checkout the what are the counter clerk lady she's nice She'll be like, 50 bucks, and you can go to first class. But other times, mm. it's like, no, we don't want your kind up there with us. You may not even look in the first class cabin. And you just treat <laughs> it like nothing. It's just crazy. I've never been told that, but I do have sometimes the sense of that or like that the people up there feel as though they need to justify their extra money <laughs> that they paid. So there's a bit of maybe there's a bit of that feeling. It's not just the legroom. There there might be there might be something else that they have to tell themselves that it's not just the legroom. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, for most part, I think the customers are mostly normal in first class. But I think the stewardesses definitely treat them different. Right, but then you also get the sense that flight attendants have to do that as part of the agreement about what is first class. What is business class, uh, you know? It's so it's funny. Odd. Right? They've already got their drinks when coach is boarding. How'd that happen? <laughs> Were they like take orders in advance? I mean, how do you, how do you guys all have drinks, all 12 of you? <laughs> well, what was it like for you? Did they, did when you rode, did they say, do you, do you want these drinks right now? As soon as you sit down? Yeah, she, well, this one was a smaller flight, but she did come by. That's right. She did. And, yeah, you get a lot of personal service. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. 
as you go in. I don't know why people would... Okay, I mean, it's weird. I, this is just something about me, I guess. I don't... This It's probably not normal. But I don't understand how people could enjoy that. I don't understand. Like, people just could do that and say, Oh, yeah, this is great. I deserve this. Not those other folks. I just... No, I know that there's money and there's a different agreement involved, but I just don't understand that attitude. It's like they they think they deserve it. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I mean, there must be that sense when, I don't know. No, you know what? I can understand it in this sense. Like, walk in the street, you see a homeless person, you feel bad, but you can't give, you don't give. You know, you can't involve them in your life. Yeah. So there is that. I mean, there are there's always someone worse off than you. That's it. I mean, that's life, right? There's always going to be someone worse than you and worse off and someone better off. So get over Mm -hmm. yourself is what I says to myself every now and then. (laughs) Right. I suppose. So then what is the point? Why do we why are we already in issue 21 of this? The injustice and the the sense that the media is not who they say they are. Shouldn't we just accept that? Shouldn't we just say, oh, yeah, of course, like, that's the super class. That's the one in a million people whose decisions affect millions of others with or without their knowledge. Uh, Why try to change it? Why even try to talk about it? Why do we talk about it? Because if we found out some stuff, maybe... Well, I, I I don't know why you do it, but I personally think that the more we talk about it, the more we can get people clued in to what's, what's really going on. And hopefully there's safety in numbers. There's a group of us that can say, hey, this is not okay. And it might prevent one more war or prevent one more needless political scam or another. It's just about basic awareness, sharing knowledge, gossip, stuff that is very important to like social cohesion. You said something, you said, that's not okay. So my question is, what's not okay? Well, for me, what's not okay is that the media deceives um, knowingly millions of people, hundreds of millions and people get emotionally wrecked and they waste energy and bother each other about things that might not even really be consequential to reality. And that means the, the that means those people who might otherwise be effective or busy um, in improving people's lives, they get distracted and hung up on, like stationary bicycles that were just set up there. And they're told that if they work on this or that issue, that it's going to improve people's lives remotely through some complex cascade effect instead of people just, I don't know, getting along with their neighbor and helping each other out. Do you have like an example of that? Um, Yeah. Okay. An example would be someone sees the media giving us a fear porn story about uh, a person of color, you know, lurking around a building and they have their hand in their pocket 
And it turns out that this was actually a terrorist trying to blow us all up and their hand was in their pocket and they were playing around and fiddling with not a piece of paper or, or not a, um, one of those, what are those, you know, busy devices that, that a lot of people are carrying around now that just like spin and like do things to occupy the mind. You know, it's not one of those. It's actually a secret bomb trigger that they're just carrying around. And then all of a sudden you get more reports to the police and stuff about this suspicious brown person is like got their hand in their pocket. What are they feeling? What do they have there? And we have now this constant mantra in this country. You know, if you see anything that makes you uncomfortable, report it immediately to to this authority, which actually is just trying to make us really afraid for some reason. Whether it's legit or not, it's not honest. So I guess that would be an example that I find wrong. So whether the the man really had a bomb or not, they're still making us feel as afraid as we can. Was that the idea? Yeah, and that stresses people out. It it means that there's they're spending more time doubting others instead of just, I don't know, they could perhaps have a little more faith, give a little more. It just cascades in so many ways. The way people drive, the way people treat each other on the street. Suspicion is like a contagious thing. And it's like a, a little, little, little toxin that they're just leaking in, psychological toxin. It is. But, you know, it, you said it's, um, it like, it's catching. You know what else is catching? Kindness. If you're in public and you do a kindness, mm. you shame other people and they want to help. Yeah. And hopefully the shame is the briefest, most reduced part of, you know, that whatever goes on when they see something kind happening. Yeah, that would be I the know worst pe- person. Shame is for the worst person. But the best person, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I need to be doing that. Right. Exactly. No, I, I know people of all kinds I'm sure you do too. There's the kind of person that will say, ah, that person is a real sucker for spending any moments of, of their time for someone else. Um, they, they, they want to, they want to believe in a better world, but they kind of don't because they've been so shocked and driven crazy by the media saying that there's insane people everywhere, cycle, you know, serial killers and all sorts of psychological operations on us. Right. But when people get together, wow, they can really be quite effective with each other. You know, they, they, it's so fast. It's so like in an accident. I was um, at a car accident and these people, they just like, boom, they were called into action. They were, they didn't think about their self. They were so helpful. I was like, wow, this is, this is not what you see on the media. People being this helpful and, you know, supportive to each other. Strangers. It's cool, yeah, and that's that's kind of like the Northwest area, right? You're you're in the Northwest. Yeah, Washington State. I am here in Arizona, and I think the the disease, the psychotic disease, is deeper here. There are more people here traumatized, more people acting on fear and and uh, mistrust of each other because. It seems as though, I mean, there are kind people, 
but the attitude is a bit more, oh, there's a car on fire and someone is like dying. Just film it with your iPhone because this is interesting. It's not about running in and trying to help. There's a bit more. So, I mean, that, but I don't know, you know, the cure really is, I think what you say, like demonstrating kindness, modeling a bit more selflessness, just to not, not like, you know, you're not expected to get, get yourself killed, but, you know, just a little more, I don't know, regard uh, for others is, would be an improvement, I think. Well, I think just it's just like propaganda. You mimic what you see. I think it's that simple. But people will tend to their nature more than not. So to go against their nature, it's quite a bit of effort. I think that's, that's why, true. Yeah, you know. My sense is this. Okay, this is why I'm against it: the media lying and making us afraid, because it makes people who are even good get suspicious and grumpy and fearful. And all hot and bothered by by issues that they press into politicians and the politicians have to waste their time on that instead of like the few other precious things that could change. Like, I don't know, feeding the poor and housing the people who don't want to be homeless, who are stuck being homeless and things like that. You know what I mean? How about just getting to know your neighbor? You know? Yeah, that's a, that's a good start instead of just living anonymously in, in fear of them. Right. Spend you know, some time. That, that's your competitor next door. So right. it's all about, well, who has the better car and who has the more money and, you know, that kind of shit is, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's really a concern in a unfair world, which is what we're talking about, the real world. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's also, you know, it doesn't, hopefully it doesn't have to be that way. Right. It doesn't have to be that way, and we don't have to feel afraid. I mean, I was thinking the other day, if I believed everything that the media said, you, how do you not be completely nihilistic? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And there are people I know who follow the news religiously. If they believe nothing else, they believe in the benevolence of the news, they believe in the the happy stories they're fed by the news and they believe in the tragedy and they just follow the drama just exactly as the script is written to them. You know, they don't ask a question about it. They say, Oh, somehow these talking heads reading their lines in the particular way that they're trained to shows us that, Oh, we should be trusting the script writers because if these, you know, beautiful people with big heads and all this makeup are trusted by the, the powerful networks to sit there and demonstrate their trust of the like anonymous writers of the news. Then all of a sudden it seems to the watchers at home, like I'm missing out here. There's this big trust game going on between the superpowers of the media and these people who are sitting there like vapidly reading. I don't know. You know what I mean? It has this kind of weird psychological effect. Like I, I should be trusting those people because they, they certainly seem, and they're using big words, you know, they seem to know what they're talking about. So I should just trust them. (laughs) 
They got those big heads like babies that make me want to trust them. True. And there's all these posters all around town that basically emphasize over and over trust, respect, you know, these really silly things like the news that you want to trust. They just invented that. That's just a marketing thing. (laughs) The news you can trust. Hey, Hoy, can you back up from the mic just maybe like three inches? I'm looking at oh, the yeah. audio feed. I'm we trying to ap- level that out just a little bit. Thank you. We should apologize because I had a really nice mic, but I gave that to my brother because he is interested in uh, doing some music. And there's not a lot of things that he likes that I could really give him. And I had the nice mic with me, so I just gifted him that. Aww. Um, yeah, so I, I don't have that anymore, but I'll look for another one because it's easier for, for us here, you know, to just go to a guitar center and get that. But for him, it was kind of a, like, it would be complex. So, right. so what, uh, like, I'll, what mic are you doing now? Using? Uh, this is like a weird off-brand webcam mic. This it's, is one that I used, I think it's called Dynex. And it's one that I used with um, the first few episodes before I got like an actual microphone. <laughs> yeah, it's working. So, Just a bit uh, tinny, like all the, all those kind are. Okay, cool. It's worried. No, it still sounds good though. It sounds. It's just this mic. Please bear with me until I get a, a better one again. nice to talk to you again oh well you too you too it's been so long yeah it's been at least three months i was traveling a lot i i did get to go to italy but i i could not see simon i just did not have the money or the time you saw him last time though right yeah well the last time i saw him was his mom's funeral oh that's right but it was, I mean, not really funeral, more like it was, it was a little bit of a sad time Memorial? because of that, um, the celebration of her life, right. let's say. That sounds nice. It was also joyful in that sense. It was a celebration, but yeah, a little sad. Oh yeah. She was a wonderful woman. She is. She definitely is. Brother, Kristen. Kirsten. Kirsten. Yeah. Kirsten. And so you went to Italy. Where else did you go? If you don't mind. Uh, let's see. Oh, no, it's fine. I was in Amsterdam most of the time. Minneapolis for a month. Got to see Berlin, Reykjavik. Berlin. And, yeah, just the outside of Florence area. Reykjavik. What country is that in? Reykjavik is uh, the capital of Iceland. I was going to say Iceland. I didn't want to sound ignorant. In front of the people. No, you're no, you're right. And it was really chill. I mean, it's like there's like two shopping streets, and the tallest building there is like a condo, or or maybe the church. 
there's no skyscrapers. It's just very, it's like grass, fir trees, and rocks. <laughs> it's, it's, it's apparently a really, really um, nice place to explore the natural world. But all of the the natural world tour things were pricey and uh, involves travel that I didn't have time for. But I, I got to see, I got to do the hot springs and it was just nice. Oh, so they, yeah, because they're pretty volcanic. Wait, Iceland is the green one and Greenland is the ice one, right? That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, they have active volcanoes and you can, they have a tour where you can actually go into like the the magma hole. It's interesting. I bet they have a ton of sensors, though. You know, they can tell when things, nothing just like, boom, it always starts acting up. Yeah. So far. So far. So far. Yeah, so far, so good. In Oregon, there's a place where the earth just cracked open and a five-mile diameter spot of lava just poured out and then it closed back up again. (laughs) <laughs> it just burnt everything in its path and it was like 50 feet high isn't that bizarre Jeez. what could have caused that think that had a warning <laughs> that was like is that like mother nature's zit right like oh excuse me growth spurt yeah sorry about that <laughs> and then it's still there today because it was so massive it just burned everything it, and then it stopped so it's like a disc kind of thing don't pick it don't pick it. You'll scar your face. Got it. Mother Nature's crazy. Do you think um, Mother Nature invented Ebola? That's a good transition and question. Uh, <laughs> look, my sense is I don't know what diseases are real or not. I just don't. Um, I, I, I used to think that, oh, of course, if there's like a reported case it must be real. But after looking into how we define disease in in our Western culture, which is, this is the media, the mainstream media culture that we're talking about, you know, scientism and the scientific priesthood and the leaders of our pop culture, which, you know, claim to be scientific. I just, I've felt a bit more skeptical a bit more in doubt about my my own knowledge and i've found that actually like for example what we understand about cancer and what they call hiv and a lot of other things is seriously in doubt as far as ebola goes i just don't know enough about it but i know that there was some fakery with this latest Ebola stuff. And that makes me wonder, did Ebola exist? Are there really strong documented cases of that? If so, you know, great, that's fine. But I'm also willing to consider that there's fake cases invented about real diseases. I mean, that's, that seems like a simple enough thing to understand. People can lie about anything. And if it's something that already exists or kind of exists, or people think it exists, then... Yeah, just a lie about it would be successful. Yeah. Is that does that answer your question? Did I actually answer your question? I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know. Well, what do you think? 
Certainly, it doesn't seem like this Ebola disease is what they say it is. I don't know. They, there's an awful lot of funny business going on, like faking news stories. We could get into that later. But I thought we would read a little bit about what Ebola is, just to bring everyone up to speed. Thank you. That's helpful. Okay, because, look, most people don't know, do they? They're just like, oh, it sounds like something where you basically shit yourself to death or like, what, what is this? You know, I thought it was where you just bled to death. Like all your pores, like you get Ebola and then your skin starts bleeding, your eyes start bleeding. And then like, you're dead in like six hours. That's what I, the news kind of shows it. You know, that's what I, what do you think it is? That's what I thought it was. Something like that or something where, yeah, something about leaking, basically Things falling apart completely is kind of the the sense that I got of what is Ebola. If someone told me to describe Ebola symptoms, I'd be like, um, you have a fever and you have like a pox. You're just like covered in awful things that don't heal. I don't know. Pus and such. Something bad. Yeah. Vomiting, diarrhea bloody stool perhaps <laughs> so does that is that the official description let's see this is the official state line ebola virus disease on the wikipedia wikipedia ebola virus disease also known as ebola hemorrhagic fever or simply ebola is a viral hemorrhagic fever of humans and other primates caused by the ebola virus signs and symptoms typically start between two days and three weeks after contracting the virus with a fever, sore throat, muscle pain, and headache. Then vomiting, diarrhea, and rash. Well, it could be just about anything, love. <laughs> they just, so far. So just, far, that's pretty much uh, every disease. <laughs> okay, yeah. but okay, let's move on. They don't say where the rash is. Let's see. Along with this, this, along with decreased function of liver and kidney, at this time some people begin to bleed, both internally and externally. Ooh, I forgot about that internal bleeding. That would make sense. Okay, yeah, I remember that now. It's like super bad. This Ebola. The disease has a high risk of death, killing between twenty-five and ninety percent of those infected. What? With an average at fifty. Killing half. Wow, that's a that's a powerful one. Yep. Well, we're supposed to we're supposed to know that though that there are diseases that are like incurable, and there's like ninety nine percent fatality or hundred percent fatality with some, and one percent fatality with others. I mean, there's a range. So okay, we're supposed to understand that Ebola is like fifty fifty. Right. Well, take I, a, take I, your chances with that. That's if you're like in the jungle. And you're sick. I guess if you're in a hospital, it says uh, you your chances are much better of surviving because you get you get um, fluid loss is what kills you. I guess in the end. Mm. So if you can keep up with the oozing out your out your eyeballs and nose of that liquid, and you get an IV coming in the other side, you see you're you keep bounced out there. Till it Whoa, happens. crazy! Right. So presumably, if you can rest enough that your body's natural production process isn't uh, exhausted. You can just like keep producing stuff as you lose it. It's mm-hmm. awful. It sounds like uh, like the end of Indiana Jones where 
those people turn into clay melting figures and <laughs> that was fun i didn't look i did not look at the ark you shouldn't you shouldn't have looked i, I, <laughs> I made sure yeah. i didn't i covered my eyes i take that stuff seriously did you hear about the uh, the theory that indiana jones doesn't actually need to be in that movie because everything would have taken place without him even being there yes my son was telling me that it was so funny i was like what what and then he he went you know each event you're like he didn't need to be there it happened anyway the ark got away from him no matter what you know each place he went to get the ark it got taken from him the whole point is that like i guess the nazis were destined to open the ark and destroy themselves (laughs) so like the only thing that was resolved is like maybe Indiana Jones got with his ex or something. <laughs> with his ex. Right. It's his ex. All right. So Ebola, 16, typically follows 6 to 16 days. So that's when you start getting symptoms. That's tough. So you could meet one guy in one city, right? Kiss him and stuff. Catches Ebola. Go to another city and you you don't even know who it was because you've been kissing people all night. What do you? Yeah, to and that and that guy, uh, he was already two weeks in and didn't even know it, and then he just like Ebola'd to death as soon as you left town. Or he just melted. <laughs> yeah, melted into a waxy puddle. I wonder if that's you know, is is that real? It's horrifying. What a horrifying way to go. And then there's all this different, this basically this wiki is about how you can catch it, not what it is. That would, that's the big deal about Ebola because you don't want to catch it because it's bad. They don't say, um, we're so vague with their um, illnesses. It could be anything. I mean, you. Wait now. Okay. Who's they and who, <laughs> is it humanity that's vague with illnesses would, or what? The, the description in, um. Wikipedia is vague, as well as the the medical industry has allowed such vague symptoms to be called Ebola virus. And I think that's a mistake. Hmm. Interesting. I see. It could be anything. Statistically, these diseases in their clumping or these um, symptoms in their clumpings are not statistically important. That's like everything you get with everything. Muscle pain, so, headache, vomiting, diarrhea, and a rash. What? And your liver and kidneys so, are malfunctioning now? What? How's that Ebola? So it seems like Ebola is just like a normal disease coupled with internal and external bleeding. Because not everything gives you internal and external bleeding, right? So that's like a... I don't know. Like What occurs to me is in the Clues Forum thread, the third post here by Guiver or Gu- Guyver, I don't know how to pronounce that. They say there's just so much to dissect with Ebola, and a lot of it is counting on the fact that average people don't have a great grasp of medicine, and when things are messy, they'd rather not ever deal with it. I, I think that's actually true. I mean, even just talking about these subjects is disgusting, and like we need to have like a not safe for work or not safe for lunch buzzer noise or something. <laughs>
because the, I mean, yeah, doesn't it, 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 it's disgusting. It makes you not even want to really address it or figure it out. Yeah. It just kind of makes you want to avoid the topic and avoid anyone who has these symptoms. Yeah. We're talking about gross stuff, but you know what the funny thing is? I did a lot of research on this. I made a couple videos. They're on my YouTube channel. It's called what? Ham. And I couldn't come across any evidence of this external bleeding through your eyes and skin thing. I looked real hard for evidence. There's no even medical pictures of it. There's reports, but it's like, hmm. well, take a picture of how that looks. You know, they come in with, if you're bleeding and stuff, you shouldn't, it should be like all crusty on your face and such. Like, well, I, well, you're obviously looking in the wrong place, Kay. You need to go to the dark web. You need to search out for gross things and and the what is it you know porn about bleeding and shit so yeah i've seen them all i watch them all like insects living in human skin how they have to pop them out and there's so many examples of gross stuff on the internet like of gross illnesses my sister likes like the little midget people and the giant stories and the people who have limbs that look like tree trunks and there's so many examples over and over of all these types of maladies but not of ebola bleeding through the skin or the eyes or the mucous membranes or the nose i look so hard Hmm. man let me just interject and say that being particularly short or tall isn't exactly a malady but well i mean like one foot tall and like eight feet high you know those kind of weird (laughs) okay but if it Interesting. Was, if it was real, I, I guess I would have expected there to be so many, so many more examples available to help warn us about this true disease. But there really okay. isn't that type, and it's actually the the type of. Um, uh, I guess this article is about how you can not spread it, and I noticed when I did research, Liberia is the one country that the Ebola virus was in, English is also their native language. They all speak English, so all their signs are in English, and all their warning posters are in English, and all their propaganda Mm. is in English. Yes, yeah, because let's face it, I mean, countries have propaganda, it's part of how the governments justify their existence. This is just something everyone needs to understand that they don't seem to understand about America, for example. Every country has its propaganda. You can call it what you want. You can call it nationalism or just government public relations or whatever, but they have a a spin, a bias, and they have to spin largely a myth, kind of a spider web to make people feel, oh, yeah, this is the best place for me. Right. But um, they, I guess, they, and it's a weak myth, though. It's flimsy. It's a flimsy myth. Once you just start scratching at it, it peels away right away. But people don't—they don't look. How how flimsy? How how is it flimsy? Is it just that there's um, that there's just no real specifics given? It's always these vague descriptions with 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 little to no proof of different symptoms and. That sort of thing? Well, yeah, the symptoms are vague. And um, they have, like, posters all over li- Liberia. Like, they painted walls and stuff where they're like, if you have 
any of these symptoms, you might have Ebola. And there's a a, a picture drawn, a painted of a guy kind of squatting and having diarrhea. So, mm. and then there's a picture of a guy vomiting, and you see the vomit come out the mouth. And then there's mm. one of his guy with his nose dripping, and one where he's shaking, <laughs> and then one yeah, where he's okay. sweating. So in the same, you know, it's like these look like he just has the flu. And <laughs> get yeah, yourself that's, checked um, pretty today. Weird. You know, it's ridiculous. And CNN did some specials on Ebola. And that's what I did my video on. It's absolutely ridiculous. You have people locked in a parking lot and they call it quarantine. I'm like, that's not quarantine. They could jump over that fence anytime. They could bleed through the fence. They could do many other things. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys look like rich Liberians because you all got really nice shades on. Your, your clothes are pressed and clean. We've been in here for three days, man. Three days, really? You look immaculate. There's nowhere they're dressing <laughs> down on to be on video, I'm telling you that. And they didn't either. <laughs> right. Like, they'd be, they wouldn't be like reporting. They'd be like telling the camera people, get help. <laughs> get us out of here. They wouldn't be like, interesting story, breaking news. We've been in here for quite some time. We seem to be prisoners. Like, yeah, that's very weird. It is strange. A bunch of strange videos going on, like that whole CNN thing. There's a part where the CNN reporter is going into the city, and he's like, you know, he's got his cameraman, and he's looking around, and they're seeing what they can see. And there's a, a spot where, it, like, there's a guy in a full, you know, a virus prevention suit, you know, the big, the big plastic suits they wear not to get Ebola. With the... Mm. So he's got this big giant suit on, and he's holding this little boy under the arms. Like, you know, he's just standing there. He's frozen. And the little boy has a shirt on, but no pants. It's kind of a <laughs> disturbing scene, right? So the guy's yeah. just standing there holding him, and then all of a sudden, he kicks into gear and then walks to a, an ambulance with this boy. He picks him up, and he carries him. So now this little boy with no pants on... You see his little butt cheeks as he's walking them along and putting them, because I guess the boy's infected is the idea. But it looked like the guy was waiting for someone to go, five, four, three, two, one, okay, go. You know, just give him the cue because he just stood there, frozen. Everyone around him was walking. I'm like, what? I mean, there's some really like. Yeah, I recall that. I remember seeing some videos like that and going, this is really weird and People seem to just take it because they think, what, like, what is, it? to me, it seems like almost vaguely racist that people would accept this as, as reality. They'd just be like, oh, like Africa is so disorganized or yeah, Africa just like has weird people behaving like in non-logical ways. But if you think about it, like, no, they don't. They just have ordinary people like everywhere else. And this is not how people behave. They they don't just go into gear if they're really sick and like, oh, there's your cue. Go lay down and act sick now. No, that's that's pretty much universal behavior for I'm acting. I'm not really sick. This is a show. This is PR. It's pretty easy to understand if you just like watch a movie. <laughs> right. What are movies? They're meant to make you feel emotional. Do you feel emotional? Well, there you go. <laughs> 
Yeah. But the stories, oh my God, one of the stories, the, the CNN reporter talked to a lady about this little boy, again, a little African child. This time he was fully naked. We call him the boy on the bucket. Oh, yeah, after his mother died, he sit on the bucket all the day. He's so cute. Yeah, he died five days ago. And you, they show uh, this picture weird. of this little boy on this bucket just sitting naked. And like, and she's talking about how sweet and cute he is and wonderful. I'm like, what? I, I'm so confused. It's just a, a mind screw, these CNN reports on what's supposed to be history or current events. <laughs> right. Well, okay, so yeah, these are these are good examples. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard for people to I think process and say, "Oh, right, you're just picking the worst, you're just cherry picking." But really, like there was a slew of these reports and there was no believable aspect to them. It was either this bad acting in weird like sort of looking like staged scenes or it was just what looks like stock footage or um, what do they call those? What, th- those footages where it's just like generally doctors moving around and doing things. And it's, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't, there's no specificity. There's no people being interviewed. It's just a reporter's voice talking over some, you know, Oh, there's some people going in and out of an airplane, you know, or it's, it feels very cobbled together sloppily and it seems like it just kind of went away didn't it there were there was this big drama about it and then it just kind of faded there's a lot of weird propaganda what what else do you remember or uh, ebola the who talked about ebola so the news they had reports right of people flying in possibly being wasn't that the scare that someone was going to fly in who had ebola infect a whole city yeah, I remember actually there were times where I went to the doctor, <laughs> not for Ebola, but for uh, other things. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. And <laughs> we were they would they would uh, ask you if you'd been traveling. And I would usually have to say, yeah, because I'm an honest person. And I just don't feel like that's a very threatening thing to admit. And then they would get all hot and bothered by that. And, oh, well, what do you mean you've been traveling? Oh, dear, that means I have to ask you this next question, which which is, did you encounter anyone with Ebola or some kind of disease? Or did you, you know, like it started into the Ebola thing. And I'm thinking, who put them up to ask this in all the years I've been traveling? And there've been there's been some contagious thing. Only now... In the 2000s, has it gotten to be, there's a flu that could kill you. Have you traveled recently? This flu is going to get you. Ebola, we have to ask about Ebola. It seems as though it's just some kind of new way of, you know, people with faith in the government would say, oh, yeah, they're just taking care of us. It's their new way of taking care of us. And, yeah, I'm glad they do that because I feel safer. And people like me who are more skeptical of this system would be like this is a test of their ability to (laughs) pretend to take care of us it's the it's their ability to um tell all these doctors to freak out about something and you know they are required now 
to all ask this thing whether they care about it or not. And you can joke with them about it. There's there's still people that we're not yet being treated by robots. So you can ask them, hey, why is it that we're being asked this? Isn't this, I mean, are you concerned about this for real? You can often get into a pretty funny discussion with these people. You know, but think of the psychology in making the law that they have to ask. Right. How real that makes it. Fact that when I give blood, I can't if I've been to Liberia. Whether Ebola is real or not, guess what? That makes me think it's more real because, look, it's on that paper there. That official paper says it's real in a, in a sort of way. Right. Yeah. So it does it in uh, it's. It insinuates itself insinuates <laughs> quite, quite, quite seemingly by design into every aspect of public life. And it's easy for the government to do. They already have those communication chains wide open, man. Education, health. So easy. Make a new law that we all have to comply. Cause of- yeah, even public spaces are monitored and controlled. The idea of having a public space that, that isn't someone staking some European style claim on it or whatever. So they, they, they control those. I mean, there's park services and that kind of thing. It's, it really is a social management technology to make people, and sure, um, it does have some effect to uh, mitigate real disease if, if, when, if and when it's used for that. But it seems to often there's this kind of weird experiment going on all the time where they, there's a bunch of real issues going on, but they have us all focused on something else. Why they do that? I don't know. You know, I think that's what people would want to know. Well, if this is fake, why would they do it? It's like, I don't know. That's a weird question to ask. If you prove something is fake, you just have to accept that it is. You can't, you're not supposed to know exactly why they're doing it or you know, like, how, how are you supposed to know? How, how is anyone supposed to know why they're doing it? You can just see who benefits. That's um, it. Thank you. Okay, who does benefit from Ebola? Um, guess my guess would be governments who have big pharmaceutical connections mm, yeah. that can basically say, oh, you need to be more like our government. Your government needs to be more like our government. And, you know, we will militarily enforce that if you if you'd like, (laughs) Um, because we have all these technological advancements and including, you know, such and such corporation that would really like to help you out. Just give us your land and give us your money. How about give us your government contract? That's really what they're looking for. That's why you need a big giant government to declare the emergency, so then it can hand down favors to all the people. That makes sense, right? It makes sense to me. I don't know why this is this is such weird conspiratorial talk. I mean, it sounds to me like, oh yeah, that is how business works. That is pretty much how people with lots of money behave. <laughs> I mean, what is what is weird and conspiratorial about that? All right. And what's the one aid agency who, who was, I'm looking for the agency that was in charge in Liberia and they got all, they got a ton of aid money to set up these clinics and tents and emergency units and 
you know, fit everybody out in these protective plastic bags they could walk around in to not get Ebola. They had to go clean things. And it's like, there was a big scandal also. Oh, oh, there was a Muslim connection, by the way. Uh, were Muslims spreading Ebola with their evil, evil plans to, you know, right when serve they- Allah? <laughs> <laughs> so when Muslim people die... The religious practice is to wash the body by hand, right? Say prayers over it, and then wrap it in a sheet, and then bury it in the ground. Bury the body in the ground. Wait, interjection. Brief interjection. Not to get off topic, but I've also heard that there's a practice about putting them in a certain kind of box, and like richer Muslims can afford like a larger box, is that true? And then there's something about angels coming to, you know, like deal with these bodies for some time until like Allah resurrects them. Hmm, I or don't am know. I? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and then they, because Allah erects them, then that's the one they go to heaven. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you only get to be alive in a slightly larger box if you're like really good, and. Something like that. I don't know. This was something told to me by a Tunisian Muslim who was studying um, kind of, well, he was raised Tunisian Muslim. But I don't know. There's probably like a billion sects just like there are in Christianity. That's interesting. Yeah, it could be his. There's so many different beliefs. I mean, I, I mean, Muslims believe the same basic things, but as far as those things are concerned, yeah. I know like, my like the Palestinian Muslims, they believe when you die, you, your soul basically hangs out where you die, um, and then you just sort of stay there for a long time. Maybe you'd like, you know, or where your body is. Right, your that's why the Muslims don't like to be cremated because the soul is supposed to stay with the body till the day of judgment, and you go up to God. Okay, yeah. So that sounds kind of similar to what I was hearing. That, so maybe Palestinian and Tunisian have similar death rituals. Right. That's interesting. I know it's fun to hear all the different takes on it, <laughs> on all these different... Because I studied the religion for a long time, and I learned wow. to read and write Arabic and stuff. Wow. And each each group thinks they they invented the idea, <laughs> which is always fun. <laughs> Sounds like Asian food. Right. No, we invented that. No, that was from us. So the Ebola thing, they were washing the dead, and they're like, no, no, because the guy died of Ebola. You can't touch him, dummy. You know, that's what the government's saying. They're like, look at these ignorant Muslims. They're touching the Ebola guy all over. And then they talk to the Muslims, and they're like, what? We're fine. We always do this. And they didn't get sick by that. They didn't spread anything. But it was like a uh, right. That is. That, I mean, that again comes back to me. This as a sense of like a racist spin. Like, look at these filthy people not knowing how to handle you know, and also the government spin. Like, oh, you need this like antiseptic government force to come in and yes, and train that you. was yes, and that was the issue. The government was going to go in and put a stop to it. And now they had their oh. excuse. Oh, look, I mean, okay, it's true that like hygiene is pretty critical, and that it is lacking in some parts of the world where it could really benefit different people. 
Um, but that's that's universal. That's not <laughs> that's not just people of color. That's like something that everyone could learn. And it's hard and it's, to get cleaner than Muslims, Hoy, because they, if you're praying, you're washing five times a day, hands, feet, <laughs> face. You have to wash your body right. every time you go to the bathroom. You're supposed to put water on it. Right. So, my gosh, my husband's family was so clean. Oh, my, put me to shame. Every day they were scrubbing and cleaning. That's crazy. Yeah. No, I mean, that's actually a stereotype about white people. It's that they, uh, <laughs> they, they just, they might not be caught up to uh, modern hygiene principles <laughs> if you go to a if you go to a gaming convention or a comics convention as i sometimes do that you start to you start to wonder Funny. i have a lot of white friends so <laughs> you know you know that old saying no i'm not racist i have white friends I, I, and they love me <laughs> they think i'm cool yeah and there was like so many stories new ebola clinics useless without more trained staff agencies say you know, so they're just begging. All the people begging for money are all coming out, making it as worse as it possibly could be so they could get more money, so they could get more aid, so they could start more campaigns. Is it? Does it make sense to play these videos, or are they too visual? They're too visual, yeah. Okay. Let's just leave it at that then. So these sound great. We're going to have to put in the show notes links to those videos that you made.
want to explore at all this thread that we have going on at clues forum called ebola baloney oh absolutely there's some good stuff in there okay let's just run through this real quick i think we actually got a pretty good show we could probably wrap up pretty soon but maybe there's something in here that's interesting did you get a chance to read through it at all recently Mm -hmm. um just the funny thing is there's so many posters around Liberia where it said that said Ebola is real. Mm, that's pretty suspicious. <laughs> like why do you have to reinforce Yeah. And on page weird. one um how do you say G U I V R E? Oh, I was struggling with that too. The guiver or guiver. Guiver Guivre. Guiver. Guivre. Um, has a part of a picture of it where it says Ebola is real. It's so funny. Oh, yeah. It's, the people didn't believe it. That's the thing. All this Protect yourself and your family from the Monrovia City Corporation. I know that this is a silly banner, but if you read it in order, it doesn't look like it says this message is brought to you by the City Corporation. It looks like it literally says... Protect yourself and your family from this from the city corporation. <laughs> That's Do you funny. See that? Yes, look at you could think of it that way too. Protect from them. <laughs> like that seems like a funny error. That's almost like a Jay Leno headline. So it should have been by the Monrovia. Yes. Protect yourself and your family with the Monrovia City Corporation. I think Don't a- let that Monrovia City Corporation get yeah. you with their crazy Ebola. I mean, they're the sponsors of the poster, right? Right, yeah. I understand that I'm reading it a bit funny, but it, it just, I don't know, it has that... Mm, I, I, these kinds of things remind me that there's so many ways of interpreting propaganda and public relations text, but the people who follow and believe it and value it, they're trained to know how to read it. We're all trained to know how to read it properly with faith that it means well. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is like, you can misinterpret it a million ways, but there's only one way to read it. Right. And yet everyone seems to just know how to read it the way the government intends for it to be read. Does that make sense? Yep. It's like, why is it that we all know exactly how to assume 
that this is in our best interests, even though there's there's every reason to believe it might not be. Oh, you see these people so proud to stand in line at the Rite Aid to get their flu shot. So proud. Yeah, that stuff. Doing I'm, their part, I'm, man. They're doing their part for you. Whether that <laughs> whether vaccines are good for you or not, and I don't think they are, um, I can't do them anymore. They make me feel really bad, really sick, worse than the flu. So at this point, I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to take that soup. God, who knows what the hell is in it? I mean, honestly, it could be there's no way for us to know. It's, it's genetically modified stuff. That's something that is a strong, strongly suspected, is that there's a lot of Monsanto-type things going on. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some attempt to modify everyone's DNA for you know, some supposedly benevolent reason. Or, or even, if, even if they're just like, well, let's just see if this works. I mean, look at what we do to poor lab mice sawing off their noses and like freezing them and giving them cancer, you know, whatever. Well, I mean, if you had, you know, if you were one of the elite or the, the ones allowed to tell a population how to behave, how would you want them to behave if you wanted them to, you know, do your bidding for you and work in your factories and get your stuff? Yeah. I mean, not steal it, it, from it's, you. I see it as like farming. I mean, we're farmed. We are a farmed, we farm each other. We're a species that farms and we farm each other. Look what look at what we do with sheep. You know, here, this medicine is good for you. You know, you have to you like get into the line, get the drenching, get your drenching, you know, get your dipping. But this they also, is good for you. They also tell the sheep before they get there all the sheep's whole life they've been told how good this is for them and that they're happy to get it even though it hurts. It hurts when yeah. you do that, but it's a good thing you see because you so they don't question it. Right. They're told it's okay. No, and you know, arguably, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm some expert farmer. I I don't I don't know the first thing about it. But I'm just saying that there's arguments to be made. There's people who do it one way and there's people who do it another way. You know, there's organic ways, there's pesticide ways, and I prefer to like my philosophy is a bit more like no I think that we should treat each other more organically we shouldn't be like injecting prodding you know drugging constantly to attempt to materialistically modify ourselves towards this mechanistic overly simplified and numb follower scientism worldview of of medicine and of bodies that doesn't doesn't make sense to me but that's how a government would treat us you know we're we are just resources yeah we are resources my goodness i mean to them yeah, yeah that's i guess we are we just we don't know how to tap our own resource i guess that's a problem here isn't it <laughs> uh, okay sure yeah we could look at it that way too other we are, like we are, uh, yeah, if resources are like not just something to exploit and use up, but something like a renewable, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're a renewable energy. That's yeah. right. We want that baby renewable. 
But the, <laughs> the whole virus thing, you know, it's such an enigma. Maybe that's the word I could say for the uninitiated. The, the way... To, to, yeah. Say more about that, this virus thing. Because look, the, there's plenty of people who have careers in virology and uh, they work on trying to isolate the bacteria that they think is associated with what a virus is munching on or spitting out. And, you know, are you saying that that is more vague than, than those people, you know, would claim? Well, I don't think people realize that all these virologists are like working. They're like blind working. They can't see viruses under a microscope. They don't know do that. that's not no that's not how they detect them they're too tiny they can't see but them. wouldn't they wouldn't they claim that oh here's a virus and it's kind of like this 1980s hexagonal spider and they're saying this is a virus it's got you know it's got like kind of a tall body it's got these little scary spindly legs and it's like you know crawling around inside your cells outside the cells maybe it's larger than the cells maybe it's even smaller they don't see the virus itself they see the virus react on human tissue they see the reaction they see the result of the virus and that's what they I see use. so that's a really i'm sorry i'm going to say it that's a really poopy kind of science to do they're they're working blind they don't know what's making it they're making shit up if mm. they say they have pictures but so this is how they check to see you know if they've got a virus they take a swab of something. They can't see what's on the swab, but they take a swab. Then they have a Petri dish, and then they rub it on the Petri dish. Sometimes, like for virology, they use they have human cells that they, um, what do you call that? They replicate in a Petri dish. So it's more like testing on humans. So they've got that going, you know, big trays of human cells. And they rub the virus on that, and then they cover it and then they wait to see what happens if the skin reacts in the certain part they rub then they know they've got the virus there if it doesn't react hmm. there's no virus so you see they're working blind they don't know what they're rubbing they're rubbing something that touched something else they have a fluid in here that says it's a thing because other people said it reacted like that but it's it's not like they're looking at things react and combine you see how inexact virology really yeah. is yeah it, it reminds me of this other post in the Ebola baloney thread, which says, which is by Seneca on October 8th, 2014. And they say that they think the idea of a contagious disease in itself could be some kind of century old hoax, not in the sense that contagion doesn't happen, but in the sense that our explanation for what is actually happening when, when a disease is caught is actually completely misunderstood i yeah. think that's uh, an interesting interesting line of reasoning and um all it's really saying as far as i understand it is it's not like oh there's this great big conspiracy and thousands of people are in it you know millions of people are in it no it's just like oh we have a basic explanation which serves the people who are funding that particular avenue of research. But that explanation isn't the only explanation at all for why things get sick and why all the things associated with disease happen. 
Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Why do they happen? You know what? We might not know the why, but we can certainly know the result, right? Like, Hmm. who gets sick the most? It's like the weak succumb to diseases. Hmm. uh, They have the highest rate of dying from, like, let's give an example, chicken pox. Who's going to die from chicken pox? Almost nobody unless you're super sick or super old or something. So it's the mm-hmm. weakened body in the first place that succumbs to any types of these viruses. A healthy person is not going to get these uh, horrific viruses. Their body somehow defends itself. Interesting. Right. So it's kind of like a inborn stability or, or instability of the human body. Right. So maybe there, I mean, you can't catch a chicken pox. I'm going to you know, for that, okay, I'm not saying that's not real. Obviously, I had chicken pox. It's a specific type of marking. You can't, you know, I've had mumps. My God, my jaws were huge. It's a specific Mm -hmm. type of, you know, predictable symptoms. But Ebola Mm. is not specific, and nor is it predictable. Vomiting, diarrhea, fever. What? What? No. The mumps is like just right, you know, your jawbone. You know, those muscles get giant. Okay, it's obvious, but... So it reminds me of the vagaries of uh, HIV and AIDS. People who are interested in that should probably check out our earlier issue 11, which was our first health episode. And that, and we got a little bit into this then. And uh, it just keeps coming back up that the way we understand disease and body and let's face it, food and nutrition and how connected they are to like maintaining a healthy system that is naturally resistant to all forms of disease. This kind of thing is, it it just keeps coming up. I I think that maybe, yeah, you're, you're onto something when you say that virology is kind of an invention, at least in the sense that it's pushed, whether it's true or not, because, you know, it, promotes a certain behavior which is consuming the the cure or these experimental drugs and things like that which often work and are often plant-based you know and and for all we know could be (laughs) there could be something else going on about why the drugs work besides the pure chemistry do they do they we think they do (laughs) well sure i mean yeah 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 there's there's i'd say you can have an allergy pill, for example. This is a very basic thing. Anyone can have this. It won't won't fuck them up too bad. And you can have your suddenly, oh, your like nose clears out. Oh, like you, you know, there's medicines that actually do control the body. Whether those things rid you of the disease, I'm not so sure. But you know, this is this is the study. A disease is a list of symptomologies, right? So I think you're describing a symptomology. I just wanted to put that. It's it's because the disease, if you look in the book, what's that one AMA, Hmm. American Medical Association book? It's like the book of diseases. And they're they're all defined by their symptoms. You know why? Because there's no test for them. There's no Hmm. test for any of them. They're defined by the symptoms you get. You can test for like chicken pox and pro, you know, there's some things you do, you can test for. Mm. So let's see, it's confusing. I think they use that to their, 
the people who want to scare us and not let us in on the secret. You know, SMJ, he's really good on making connections and stuff and bringing people who to us are secret out into the light. He's got a post here. So it's like uh, this Carrie Mullis, the inventor of the polymerase chain reaction scam, is another one of those walking narrative devices from Berkeley. Mullis is a talented hoaxer. He rides roughshod over all dialectic. He will denounce AIDS hoax and call out uh, Savante Arnhinas as the father of the climate change scam, all the while pushing multiple scams of his own. SMJ is good to point out how connected these people are in the Mm, industry. So it's not like everybody's lying about Ebola. It's just they're all scammers in the first place, and they're all connected, and they're all... It's like a community of scammers. They support each other. That's how they can get so big. Yeah, that's a really important point because I think a lot of people would say, oh, no, okay, you're not just talking about business. You're talking about these people. Why would they lie? Why would they you know, do this? It's like, well, okay, if you just look at it from like, uh, like a selfish point of view, someone has the ability to pull one over on someone else. They find that everyone kind of falls for roughly more or less the same thing or you become an expert, a pseudo-expert. Any kind of professional level that people don't question. And then you can just like promote your particular story. Yeah, it's fascinating that these people will on the one hand say, okay, AIDS is a hoax, but my thing is totally real. We would be accused of people who are like hesitant to disbelieve in authoritarian information those people would would be hesitant to to say that oh we're onto something that there's these people who make shit up they would probably just say oh yeah you just don't believe in anything you just don't, you believe these people who you just pick and choose the people that doubt anything and you don't listen to anyone who's an expert but it's like no look these people that you believe are to be experts <laughs> They are often people whose skill is like whose natural skill is to convince others of stuff. So there isn't any other type of person that is big and promoted. They're they're not promoted unless they have like some measure of that skill. You know, that's interesting because that's what they desire in the industry. That skill. Yeah, and they will, of course. Okay, you could explain it away and say, well, the reason they do this is because everyone wants good marketing, you know. Of course, you'd lean towards whomever is promoting something. But then it's like, okay, yeah, but that's not science anymore, is it? You know, the people who believe in the news media's stories, um, which, which we explore and kind of question in our show, uh, these people often have this weird uh, thinking where on the one hand um, they can recognize that, that there's all these human behaviors that are being exploited by people who understand psychology. But then on the other hand, they say no one would, no one would use those things, even though 
the whole uh, narrative in the circle of people who are who are like big media spokespeople. I don't know. I'm thinking of like, you know, Carl Sagan and you know people who promote official stories that have a charismatic um, personality to them. Those are the very types of people who are focusing us on the topic of psychological manipulation and like pointing to it over and over and saying, Hey, this is a thing. Like we should be thinking this way, not that way. And yet it's like just assumed that everyone who has that quality is using it for good. It's weird. It's naive. It's just, it's also naive to assume the media would never use the media against us. Why is that difficult to understand? People come up to people on the street with a gun and say, give me everything in your pockets, you know, or I'll kill you. But just because the TV doesn't have a gun pointed at you, you think that their attitude might be a little different. Their gun is just different. It's just not waved in your face as a gun. It's more like those people over there, they're trying to get you, but me, you know, I'm protecting you. That's, it's just a different form of that. The bullets are emotions. We don't have time to think logically. I, th- I think that's part of it. So powerful. You, you lose your, you know, your rationality when your emotional self takes over on several s- stories, on several layers. Like yes, that's and that's it. That's, you, you hit it. It, it, is about, it's, it comes back to the, our original topic about emotion over logic because that's why when you bring up these subjects, people get super emotional super quick. And like offended, and then they they've been given permission over and over by the media who models it that if it's just emotionally offensive enough, you like you're permitted to like call the other person names, demean them, dehumanize them, say that they're not being you know human, all sorts of ways of dodging the logical fallacies just avoiding them and, and taking an emotional stance and saying, well, I can't handle this. Therefore, you know, you can't be correct. <laughs> it's easy. We're asking a lot. I said this before, but when we're asking people to change your paradigm, we're asking a lot of them, honestly. Well, we're not as generous as the media is in giving them permission to like have like very immature emotions towards each other. We, we basically say, no, like, try to have a little bit of a more mature attitude here. People have different beliefs. Um, you know, people lie. People are deceptive. You're not a child. You know that. You know about Santa Claus now. Um, so okay. th- I think that... L- liken that to Santa Claus, the media. Is that it? <laughs> well, maybe not as benevolent as that. The evil Santa Claus. There's a meme out there, evil Santa Claus. It's pretty. There funny. is. Oh yeah. dear. But yikes! They're bloodsuckers too. <laughs> Those evil Santa Claus. What you identified here in SMJ's post, it's important. It's an important point. There are hucksters. There are criminals. There are successful criminals. There are stupid criminals. <laughs> There is there is a difference. Not all criminals are morons. Right? And you know, 
who who knows? I mean, these people are making these some org- organizations are making money off it, and you know, I, I like this the Ebola hoax in general because you don't have to ascribe a motive except money, kind of. You know, you don't have to any other end of the world because it's clear who's making money. These aid agencies are wiping the floor with the donations. That's why we can be accused of being trolls because for us it's fun. It's oh wow. This is weird. Like, let's explore this topic. We like talking about things that other people maybe shy away from Aww. because we can we can see not because it not because it's iconoclastic, but because we can see that people are afraid to go there. And we're saying, no, you know what? Here we are. We are safe in this topic. We are discussing it. We are not under threat. We are we are in it. We are having the discussion. It's okay. You know, it's okay to use your brain. Really. Try it. It's tough, though. I mean, I talked about it with some science teachers because, you know, I'm a high school teacher. I teach in high school. So I talked to them about Ebola and what kind of, you know, it's just, they're just, there's so much propaganda on so many levels. You know, it's just so, it's everywhere. It's like a three-dimensional propaganda campaign. And they can't see through all that to, to to consider it might not be real. It's too scary, first of all. <laughs> that has to be real. Mm. Look how scary it is. It's but why is it scary? This is what put put yourself in their shoes and tell me, why is it scary to consider that Ebola might be a hoax? Because because it's such a unquestioned assumption or what? Well then everything else might be a lie too. Okay, but why is that scary? Isn't that a relief that you just don't know? Or or it's scary because people want control. They want well, control of their lives, maybe. Right. For me, it was worth it, the uncomfortableness of figuring out people were lying to me because it was worth my brain trying to figure out why noth- nothing made sense. You know, like nine eleven. Oh, it was uh, it was filmed ahead in in advance. It was just a movie. They just made it ahead and just played it on that day. I, that makes so much sense. Of course, they used media against us. Media used media against us. We're like shocked. We should have <laughs> expected this, right? I was shocked. I'm like, why am I shocked? I should have expected this. Of course. The media is the one benevolent agency on the and on the planet that never, you know, it's like every other organization. There's embezzlement or crime against it, but it's like media faking media. What? No. Well, I think I think it's the the, the entertainers because the news is really about entertainment. Let's face it. Okay, it's not about information. It's about being entertained emotionally, and hopefully it makes you want to ask a question. But most people, it's just like, oh, I know this. I'm going to talk about, oh, did you hear about those people with Ebola? Yeah, that's horrible. You know, feel really bad about that for a few seconds and then change the subject. It's just like an emotional entertainment, really. And I think that because TV and movies are like the positive aspect of that, they they allow themselves to say, oh, yeah, like news is the negative entertainment. It makes you feel kind of icky about the world, but, oh, but look at this great movie. I love this movie that came out in Hollywood. Somehow we've been corralled into this thing where 
oh yeah, Hollywood, we understand that's fake, but the news is real. It, even though it's like the same methodology, cameras, <laughs> directors, <laughs> scriptwriters, actors, but you know, oh it's God, the same methodology, but completely the same. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. How does this happen? Maybe it's because we are emotionally pleased by the media, like 90% of the time. So like that 10%, we like reserve for disappointment with politics or something else, but, but we don't throw ourselves out of the movie. You know, we don't say, wait, why did, unless, unless we accuse a movie of being bad, which means really it just wasn't emotionally fulfilling. It might be like expertly done, but the point of the entertainment is to be like emotionally fulfilling in some way. So again, yeah, it comes back to like emotion and not really like about logic or reason or true information, research, fact-checking. None of that is as important as it moves you in some way. So maybe that's why it's offensive when, when we question things because we're asking we're asking people to not do what the thing is designed to do, which is emotionally move you. And you're, and we're saying, now hold on, like uh, maybe you don't want to let yourself be emotionally moved by this. It's like giving people, it's like giving people like an orange and being like, uh, maybe you shouldn't eat this orange. You know, you should, you should just look at it, examine it. They're used to just eating it. It's just like a, it's what you do with an orange. It's, it's rotten. Don't eat it. It's rotten. That there's a spot on the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at it before you. This eat isn't it. an orange. This is a genetically modified orange flavored, you know, cracker made of um, sawdust and like ah, oh, but you know, it tastes so good. I, I know I'm supposed to eat it. It's got this nice package on it. Hmm. Right. Oh, you know how we were talking about how 50% of Ebola patients die? Well, yeah. Seneca made a post on November 23rd, 2014. Um, the survivor rate is 75%, according to the statistics she has. And it's only at like a couple dozen people. So that's the other weird thing. There was all this media, all this news story, but if you looked at the official toll of who died from Ebola, just just a couple dozen. And that's that's not a pandemic, damn it. <laughs> 12 is not a pandemic. Come on. Yeah, that's a good point. The, the contradictions are also overlooked because the contradictions are again too factual, not emotional enough. You know, the main point is that oh, there's so many people die, and oh, if and then if you say, well, actually, not so many people die, then then the, the new fact arranges itself around the same emotion, and it becomes, well, okay, not many people died, but the people that died died so horribly, you know. And then if you say again, well, actually, you know, they're not sure if that's Ebola or not. You know, then it, it no longer even becomes important that it's Ebola. Then it's still just like the emotional thing, like ah, oh, but but people die horribly. Let's focus on that. Okay, fine. We finally all process that occasionally 
people die horribly, then they're emotionally satisfied. It's not about the facts. It's not about like actually figuring out what is going on. Right. Yeah. Who's going to do that though, man? I got to pick up my kid from daycare after work. Well, the news is going to do that for us, obviously, because they put posters up all say trust all over them and they're smiling at us. Like, you know, they're cool people. So obviously it's their job. It's not my job. Oh, when I first realized, thank you, Simon Jack, um, you know, after September clues and I realized the media actually was complicit in portraying the nine 11 story as a real event that they worked together <laughs> to, to deceive the people. And they've always worked together to deceive the people. So I was like, I'm just driving to Seattle and I'm like, come on for news. You can trust. I'm like, isn't that funny? <laughs> they yes. have license to lie. They have free license to lie. And they they just they say right out there, news you can trust. I'm like, what kind of mind control witchcraft are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It is it is very comical if you if you, if you are able to uh process the possibility and then yeah. It's it's very funny and weird. That's why I think we're also capable of talking about it where other people might not be because for us it's emotionally fulfilling to like even be questioning it. It's 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 a weird you know we're we're just as interested in like emotion and it's just uh we have a different way of approaching yeah. Our entertainment is like observing reality I feel like or trying to because we don't we haven't really found it but we've been able to go ask questions of it that Maybe other people aren't asking. Yeah. We don't care to be uncomfortable, I guess, as much. Some people would say that we're not experts in anything. We're just couch potatoes that, you know, what is armchair researchers? You know, what's more respect respectable is these people who, okay, maybe they, maybe they are promoting a, a falsehood. Maybe they are. Um, even profiting from selling people drugs um, that that treat the symptom and not the actual cause, and they, like everything is forgivable because they're they're discovering new information about a theory that supports what we already believe. So that's that's something that I mean we could be we could be accused of that, and that's. That's a valid criticism in some way. Like, okay, yeah, we're not helping advance a science in that way. But if that's true, why aren't we recognized for an advancement in the science of examining, like, our senses? Like, recognizing that, oh, yeah, this is CGI. This is not, you know, this is not real. This is acting. For some reason, that goes, that's not valuable, that's ignored as a thing. I'm not trying to toot our own horns. I'm just saying it's just an interesting contradiction to observe. That's right. We're like, explain that contradiction, sir. That's what we're doing. That's what we're <laughs> asking here. <laughs> Anyone, can you please explain the contradiction, if you don't mind? That's really what we're all about, isn't it? I think so, yeah. 
was like, wait, that critics. Say. Yeah. Critical critical thinking, art critics. That's that's what we can say we're doing. Like, isn't it a contradiction to make tons of profit off of a disease that kills people and turns them into bloody pulp? Isn't that a contradiction <laughs> to be? Able, because there's a good post by Seneca on November 29, thousand fourteen, about how much money people are pledging. The countries that are pledging money to the United Nations Office for Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, the United Nations, and the amount of people. <laughs> so, the United Nations were pledged. Let's see. Um, I think it's seven hundred and fifty million from the U.S. to the U.N. World Bank itself pledged four hundred. The European Commission of Humanitarian Aid Office. Look at an aid office given to another aid office is going to give to more aid offices. So look how, see them. You know what, trickle-down theory? Ronald Reagan was right. Look at this. But it doesn't happen to us. <laughs> it's not, no, it happens to these rich people when there's a disease that's a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, the way they control the narrative about Ebola is um, it's very funny. There's this one story um, that I actually I posted in the thread about <laughs> at space.com, which I call the comedians at space.com, because most of the articles are just fluffy things with like no really good science behind it. There was this article that said, while the Ebola situation bears no resemblance to a sample return mission to Mars, there is a concern that the public could link the two if not properly informed said John Rummel, a professor of biology at East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. It's just funny because I don't think anyone made that connection until they made that article. <laughs> so they're like, there's a concern that the public could link the two. It's like, it's like an article saying, don't think of a pink elephant, you know? We were really worried that people will think of a pink elephant that could harm them. It's like I wasn't thinking I wasn't thinking about a pink elephant before you even said it. Like why did you Yeah. What might Mar Mars and Ebola? Like they will literally tie their their silly hoaxy stories to each other, like no matter how on the surface seemingly unrelated. That oh my god. See, it all fits this insane, it's the same, um, it's like a net of stories that never alters, and it's the same net. I mean, you could talk about anything, about frogs in a pond, but no, they always bring it back to the same ridiculous lies that they all seem to support each other on. Yeah, it's and sometimes you, you see these people and they're like, I'm an expert on, I mean, we haven't gone into dinosaurs yet, but that would be an interesting one when we get to like how the fossil record has been messed with and profited from. But uh, yeah, like linking, you know, I'm an expert in dinosaurs and anti-gravity Martian, you know, such and such. And I happen to, you know, be a expert in virology and so on and so on. There's often these people that have, they're really, really good at repeating what has been told them. Yeah. That's their skill. Their skill is just, well, promoting we teachers the promoted. do a good job of training you to do that long after we're done with you <laughs> sorry i'm sorry to all the people who i train <laughs> i apologize 
Oh, oh, they probably don't know that this. Well, anyway, even if they did, good on them. Take the good stuff, leave the bad stuff. All right. So um, another weird thing I wanted to point out also about Liberia is if you go like if you do Google, do an image search, do Liberia Ebola. You're going to see people being drugged through dirt and mud puddles, kids without pants on, you know, like I talked about earlier, you know, in dirty places in town, just all gross and scary and you feel bad for them. And, but then now do this, Google Liberia vacation photos and oh <laughs> my God, it's a tropical mother fragging paradise. It's gorgeous it's got the like tropic you know green emerald waters and it's just green and palm trees it's gorgeous great place to go it's got a great modern city yet you know and it's got resort after resort after resort yet when you look at the you know the other way you know the liberia ebola you see a completely different image of what liberia is because no one's going to believe Ebola lives in this freaking paradise. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but you would believe Ebola exists in a dirty alley in a mud puddle. They're dragging kids through it to take them to the clinic because apparently they have Ebola, although they don't look sick. Yeah, they just look like they're kind of like, oh, that's a kid being carried around. They're not, they don't show any symptoms of any kind of illness. They never do. That's the weird thing. Look uh, at them all. Just... They, they never look sick. I'm like, where's the bleeding through the nose? They didn't I'm just even... waiting for them to come up with an Ebola vaccine that we all have to take now. <laughs> well, you know what? If they do, all you got to say is, I'm allergic. I'm allergic. Sorry, I can't. I'm allergic. <laughs> just that's it. That'll get you out of everything. You have to assert your personal... What do you call that? Your personal boundary light, right? Things and it can't be. Yeah, religious. yeah, yeah. It can't be personal scientific. boundaries. Yeah, that's the thing. You can't hit them with science; that won't work. <laughs> you can't hit them with logic; that won't work. Can't hit them with religion, but you can do the personal boundary. I mean, there, there's some really good posts here, but um, they're often about connecting this weird funny network of people who are kind of like full of themselves and warning about Ebola, even though it, it in like in greater in out completely out of proportion to the actual reports of the problem. For example, there's a big time magazine named person of the year in December, 2014 was the Ebola fighters. And you know, there's a quote from the magazine <laughs> the that says, the rest of the world can sleep at night because a group of men and women are willing to stand and fight. <laughs> oh my god! But oh, I like I'm so. I'm sorry, but I just didn't lose any sleep over this. I didn't like I was more concerned about man. There's a lot of like traffic accidents, or I mean, there's just so many ways people are dying that I don't understand why this was singled out. Except that yeah, it's part of the same campaign that they're trying to push about Liberia. Yeah, it was more like Liberia's like a clearinghouse. You know, I didn't feel like, honestly, the Ebola campaign was for them. It was for us Americans. I think it was just, it's just a general scam. 
It's a general, just it's an operation. Maybe we can do that. It's not. It really did seem like targeting Americans, and I don't know why it felt that way. Maybe the the globe in particular. Maybe the globe, and it was in English, so Europeans could, you know, everyone in every language knows English. You know, all these different countries, right? They all pretty much can speak English, most of them. So that's why I think it was in a country that spoke English. <laughs> Everybody gave to him. That was a huge, it's a campaign. It's done, it's over. That's why we don't hear about stuff anymore. You know how it comes up in the media and then it's done? Well, its purpose was finished. They had the campaign. A bunch of people gave money, a bunch of countries, and those people gave money to other people, and those people gave money to other people. And it was pretty easy. I mean, if if you think of like, the video footage and all the media they did, I mean, that could easily be faked and pretended it was real. You know, that wouldn't be hard because you got the camera there anyway. You got the script writer. You have the director anyway. Like you said, it's set up that certain way. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yep. There's another post that fulf- that kind of draws on the pattern of what's going on. I see freely writes in February 27th, 2015, if you want to avoid contracting the, quote, Ebola virus, unquote, you should ignore it. They run the same virus outbreak epidemic script over and over again, and gullible people keep falling for it. The script, one, reports of a new viral outbreak in some third world country to scare the shit out of people. Two, the supposed new mystery virus, A, has no cure, B, is deadly, and C, is spreading rapidly. Three, researchers miraculously come up with A, a test for the supposed virus, B, a drug to treat people with the virus, and C, a vaccine to immunize people from the virus. Four, the drugs poison people. The lethal dose of the drug is gradually reduced in newer versions over the years, so they can claim, yeah, we're making progress against fill-in-the-blank because the new drug is helping people live longer than the old drug did, right, by reducing the toxic dose. Please keep donating so we can continue our fight against blank. It's all bullshit. Of course, the newer drugs don't help people live longer. They just kill people slower. Five, eventually a breakthrough vaccine is invented and it's always initially in short supply. The short supply technique ensures that the gullible masses line up to get vaccinated before it supposedly runs out. Six, the vaccine, like all vaccines, is a poison that causes new kinds of illnesses. And seven, the new illnesses caused by the vaccines are claimed to be some of some mysterious origin. More money is spent on research to come up with new tests, drugs, and vaccines. We're missing all the the sad little boxes that they put up, you know, in stores where it's like donate to our charity that's researching and give us money to do the research and, and the, you know, the walks, all the walks and the runs supposedly for one disease or another. There's all this public participation part that's about just garnering sympathy and, basically just spreading the story regardless of like how few people it actually affects. Well, it's so so few people. Oh my God. Right. For the giant world scare that it caused and the worry it caused the populace of the globe. I think the Ebola, you can't talk about Ebola without talking about the aid agencies because Mm. did you know the United way of all the money it gets, it only gives away 3% of that. Hey, I heard like 15% of the people believe statistics if they don't do any research on it. (laughs) 
So if you well, let's hear about the three percent. Let's hear about the three percent. Where'd you get that number? Oh yeah, look up United Way. Look up there. Um, that's the I'm continually asked at work to give to the United Way. And yeah. so I wanted to know how much do you give away? Three percent. They ninety seven percent's for overhead. Uh, <laughs> so I don't give to any corporation anymore because basically they're all the same. Some boast they give more away. Some you know you can't give how much, but they're a hog. The United Way is a big fat hungry hog that takes your donations and shits out a little bit and gives that away. Keeps the rest for itself. It's disgusting. I have heard I have heard that about many so called charities and that is definitely when I give money to charities, I do my best to do a lot of research about them beforehand. I'm not just like, Oh, it's a charity, it's got a crying kid on it, like, sure, take my money. No. I have to really see like what is their purpose like how how much are they like deep into the nonprofit? that's that's super important to me the the ebola one does not it's very fishy well and our i don't think we can ignore how profitable it is for health related agencies like the united way like the world health organization like the united nations any of these humanitarian type aid agencies so every time aid is passed down, you get to take your holy shit. You get to take your ninety-seven percent right off the mother frickin' top of that. That's crazy—a good investment to get into. Mm. And then you give that down the line, and that guy takes ninety-seven percent of that measly little, little bit. But then he passes that down, and then they put up a little tiny tent in Liberia. The World Health Organization—they're handing out suits unitard you know those suits for everyone yeah yeah and you know they have a presence now they're handing out clean water and stuff to people and stomping around in the mud <laughs> they're always in the mud i wonder if there's some way that they could link this to the satellite uh business because man does that seem like a profitable hoax if they could just like link satellites and ebola someone's going to make a killing on that right but 97%. I want to keep 97% and give away three. That'd be nothing, man, right? <laughs> what a scam these aid agencies are. Dang it. Huge scam. <laughs> Gigantic scam. Another reason to do just at least surface research on, on things. Right. Instead of, just, instead of just going with your emotions. Emotions are important. Okay, let's not undervalue those. They're very important things but we also should understand that we that we're being manipulated their drama is used against us to to make us behave in certain ways that are contrary to our own interests and the and, and unselfish interests interests of altruism interests of like helping each other out so something to be aware of but you know Boy, we have to ask ourselves. There's so many scams, you know, and these these campaigns that they run these scams on. It's not just a scam; it's like multi layered. That's true, right? There, there's yeah, it's so systematic, and it's such a there's such a it's so effective that is like there's so few of us in the world actually looking at it and going wait a minute that's not right <laughs> you know 
we have to look at that effectiveness and go, is this a system? Is this by design in some way? Yeah, right? Look one layer up then. Is there some sort of control network by design? Anything that is a reliable money source has been systemized. Right. There you go. <laughs> we don't trust nobody. <laughs> Greedy people, people addicted to self-gratification, the addictions in general, you know. But yeah, you got to you got to figure out who you you who you trust and who you don't trust on your own. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, come on, we trust people, but it's just there's people who are like not worthy of trust, you know, whether they're good people or bad people, they're just not worthy of our trust. Well, I think you mentioned naive too. It's time to like, ah, come on. We have to stop. We have to put that naivete away. People do lie to you right to your face. They will lie to you. They will take advantage of, yeah, like the, the charisma and stuff, but it, which isn't to say that people who are trustworthy and who you like need to be suspected because you like them. That's not the point. The point is that it's not, the message isn't, don't meet your heroes <laughs> because they're great disappointments. It's more like we should be aware um, of a certain level of psychopathy that exists basically. And, and we need to, as a human race, we need to collectively work together on this at, at uh, retraining ourselves to recognize these people because we, it's not that we've become too trusting, but maybe we lost the motivation to find who is really worthy of trust. Your your mom, your dad, your <laughs> how about your yeah, own I eyes mean, too? Your own senses. Trust that. Yeah, your own senses. That's a good start. Yeah. Some people's moms and dads are not to be trusted. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, they mine told me Santa Claus was real. But this is too much advice. Too much advice. We just we just gotta keep it real together. There we go. It's a good start. Don't you know, but it, there has to be like a tool, right? Or a skill. Maybe it's a skill. Mm. Well, I, I think you said it best. Trust your own senses. Sharpen your own senses, you know. You know, you can let yourself be entertained by all these things that are like plugging into your senses these days. You know, everything wants to plug into you, into your eyes, ears, mouth, pretty soon probably like sex organs or that's already started. So like everything wants to plug into you and still try to get some dose of reality so you you can like safely na- navigate the world right and these um these virus scams are so successful cuz they like anything anything that has to do with a bunch of death so successful because it the emotional response people have you know you might have known a loved one who died from a horrible disease and so it yeah. it brings up that emotion and voluntary inside of you when you hear the Ebola story. Right. It's like examine your, I mean, the one tool you can have is to examine your emotions. 
anytime a story or a movie or any media thing makes your emotions feel one way or another, just like, is this what I want? Should I be feeling this? Is there any, you know, I don't know. Well, that's, I guess, my advice. That's good. That's good advice, Kay. I have a question. This is just a, this is a, I'm at the risk of sounding sexist. Is there a difference between men and women in terms of like emotion, emotional intelligence, how men and women handle emotion differently? I think there might be. I think there is. But you know what? This, the range is wide. There's a generality like statistics, right? There's a general way, but normal is a spectrum that is gigantic. Mm. And it As a woman, over. do you feel that you are less womanly for actually like examining and being aware of your emotions and like, you know, saying, oh, I'm being manipulated here? Like, is that a threat to your femininity or like or or just identity isn't it funny right what the heck man why i can't help it i just think about it but it is not is not anything like most women want to talk about (laughs) i don't see it as a negative thing i think that women have probably just as there's a lot of men now going what the fuck is with the news like women have been pointing out crazy shit because they're they've been oppressed for like it's like for thousands of years you know so I, I don't know it's just um i think there's a different thing that women are pointing out and men are pointing out this other thing and we need to work on it together and to heal but i was just wondering yeah like do you think that more women will eventually come to understand what is going on here will they become less susceptible to the the drama the entertainment i i think mostly that that's an interesting idea um i think women want to care we're like you know the nurturers of the pair it's kind of you know what we do because that's why we're the breastfeeders, because <laughs> we're the nurturers. It goes together. That's mm. okay. That's our role, right. and men have other roles, the, the caregiver and the thing, um, the provider, when the woman is incapacitated, you see. But we need the network mm. anyway. But what was my point? Dang it. I got, took myself off track. I think kind of a weird thing happens. They care, and they care too much, and then they care too much, and it gets too much, and then they check out. Then they're done. Wow. (laughs) Have I observed that a lot, especially with with the younger generation lately? It seems to me that there's like compassion fatigue reach is reached like really quickly. Oh, passion. Oh, compassion fatigue. I like that. That's exactly what it is. A woman taught me that phenomenon. She was studying it. And she was observing it in herself and saying, um, yeah, it's something that we should watch out for. Hmm. I wonder if that's on purpose. Dang it, Kay. Stop going there. Leave it alone. <laughs> no, but actually, that's actually, it, it's the desire to know and so much about all the suffering that's going on 
inevitably leads to compassion fatigue because there's because there is so much real suffering going on um and i i don't want us to be accused of that because i think that we're very deeply caring people that's the tough thing right it's not that i don't care or i might be autistic but i don't think i am but it's like (laughs) it's that it's not real not all those people didn't really die but They've already invested all their time. You see, they like, and you know, it's like when you believe a story, you invest in it. You know, and they don't want to see their stock go down. <laughs> it's really. Mm, that's one way to put it. <laughs> but yeah, wow, compassion fatigue. Yeah, there's even an article about it in like Psychology Today. And some other basic places you can read about it. You can Google that. It's an interesting one. A type of burnout it is sometimes categorized as, or a or a traumatic stress. You can get it, especially with some of these blood sucking organizations. Ah. Oh my goodness. I got involved in one of them. It's a local Puget Sound organization. Because you know our beautiful waters of the Pacific Northwest we call the Puget Sound. It has many inlets and little ocean things and, you know, running through it. It's pretty big. It's like a quarter of Washington. It's huge. But anyway, maybe maybe an eighth. Okay. So the lovely waters of Puget Sound. And this is like a conservancy organization to help keep it clean and beautiful. Something like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I like the environment. You know, dang it, I like Puget Sound, too. So I'm like, I'm going to go. And then I signed up for stuff, and I went to a dinner, and then they wanted me to do this, and then more of this, send me more money, do this at another dinner, (laughs) deliver these flyers. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if there's a way to... um... See, that's another thing, is I think that... the the reason these hoaxes can be insidious is because people have a compassion fatigue. They have a limit. And if it's wasted on things that aren't real, that means just that many more real things that don't get solved. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think that that could be something that could like, you could write a paper on this. You could literally quantify how much doesn't get solved because of the fake stories. Really, I think that is a real concern that could be scientifically studied. Have there is there an example of them getting solved? Uh, yeah, sure. You can you, you can murder? well solved. I mean, you can do good. Okay, you can do good towards something and have it affect change positively. And you could also argue that if you don't do it, someone else will or. You know, if they don't find you to join the organization, they'll find other people to join the organization or something. Fine. But nevertheless, we do play a role in, like, trying to improve the world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I thought the United Nations also played a role in trying to improve the world. But at 97% they keep of all donations... I find that hard to believe these days, you know? Yeah, United Way. United Way. United yeah. Way. There's, Thank you, I, United I, Way. I do believe there are good and bad ones, just like people. Well, they that you know, that 3% does help a lot of people. 
Mm. Like, dang it, why can't there it be more? You know? Yeah, why yeah. should we? Why should we sniff at three percent? It's better than zero. <laughs> right. So this organization that I kind of burn out of, they kept seventy five percent of all their money, and I'm just a volunteer. So wh- what are they doing? If I, I they get all these volunteers, and they have to keep ninety seven percent of their money. No, the top has to get paid. They have to make it worth their while. Yeah, the United uh, Way. They are hooked up, man. They go way back. You know what they do? Their specialty? My Hmm. mom and I were looking it up one day. This is how profitable these aid organizations are. The United Way swallows up smaller little agencies like local ones. You know, like if you had a local agency that collected money and gave it to the poor and things like that. I mean, sure. maybe they're getting tired. They have a good name, right? But maybe they're getting tired of, you know, so the United Way comes, pays, pays them a pretty penny. And now this local organization, which might have given 90% because they're small, right? Really tiny overhead. 90% of what they brought in to the poor. Now the poor only get 3% because United Way bought them. So you see what they do? That's how they mostly, that's how they earn money. By absorbing yeah, smaller okay. aid Well, that makes sense. And that's also a demonstration of what I was talking about. There are people that, like, in smaller groups can make positive change. It, maybe they just get too bloated. They just get too big. They just get too government-controlled or reliant. And Or maybe they just get so powerful that they just start entering those circles of people that influence them in that way and say, oh, I don't, you know. You're a mover. You're a shaker. You deserve more money. That's crazy. Anyway, now that we've solved everything, we've solved it. But give—I like your point. Give local, dang it. Give to where you know that a hundred percent of your donation is going to poor people, and that the volunteers are the ones, the real people. They're not taking a salary for collecting your money. And get to know those people. I mean, look. Yeah. There are people who are just like, okay, thanks. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna go get a crack rock right now. This is this is what you're helping me do. And there's people who won't be honest. They'll say it's for food, and they will just go get some heroin or whatever they need. So really, I mean, this it's about you know we should if we want to help people, we need to get to know who is worthy of our trust. I think that's the exhausting thing. That's the exhausting thing. Is having to actually sort it out. It sorts itself out. You, you, you start to see the pattern. Yeah, it just takes some experience, some time, patience.
which one is it? Which so one? we're show 21 now, and this yeah. is August 12th. All right, so show 22 is Science Giants. What was that again? Science Gods. Science Gods, part two. So it'll be another Clues Forum Examines. I was thinking maybe we should just go with Einstein. I mean, that, and I mean, of course, there's lots of room for all because when we pry into these people, these hoaxers, these hucksters, we often find that there's actually a big drama and a big circle of interconnected these this net, as you say, of people. But like the focus character. The spider in the web could be this Einstein guy. What do you think? Oh, yeah. He's a real interesting character. The way he... <clears throat> and the, how much he works, papers he's published. An astounding amount for one person. Astounding. Hmm. He's doing like 24 papers in a year where, you know, most professors can barely do one. Right, right. Uh, but he stuff. worked in a patent office. Is that it? And that was his, yes. his myth. Well, anyway, we can get into it next. Yes, time. there's yeah a lot of good stuff about uh, Einstein too. Interesting character. Ooh, I hope we get a good guest for that episode, or two, or whomever we can whomever we can gather to have a conversation about this stuff. Yes, if you've got an opinion about Einstein, you've got a pers- I like perspective, you know. I think that's cool. Me too. What we do here is even though people aren't the experts, they have a unique perspective that does make them an expert in that area and it's like, you know, I like that too. Yeah, I think that people can be trained to be to be more expert about their own senses. They can become experts if they learn to avoid the fake experts. (laughs) (laughs) Learn the baloney. Learn when it's bullcrap, man. They're freaking with you. (laughs) Ebola baloney. Right. So that was good. Well, I hope you, you audience, you got an idea about the interesting Ebola idea, the Ebola virus. Yeah. It's not what you really think. It is at all. Yeah, what is it? What is going on there? I, we'll put uh, check out our show notes at thecluschronicle.info. We always post uh, the podcast there, and you can follow links if you so desire, or just use it as a, a launching place for your own research, which is ideally what you'd end up doing. Because yeah, we've we've spent hours <laughs> researching a lot of these things and the point is that we shouldn't be the only ones but if we are yeah then you can't blame us for having opinions about it well and you know what maybe you can they can benefit from our research that's why we did this that's true Audio. i hope so spread that spread all that work out at least you know <laughs> let yeah, it benefit right you in some way well, I hope the recording turned out okay. Uh, but anyway, it, it's it's nice to just be recording again and doing this again. It is. No, it'll be great. It, it has to be what it is, and we have to be happy with that. Can't change it. Exactly, because we just have to. We just have to keep moving forward. I think people like what we're doing. I hope I'm getting. I think so. I'm getting some good responses. 
I wonder. I haven't seen. I haven't seen our iTunes thing in a while. Let me see that. iTunes.com. The Clues Chronicle. Clues Chronicle. Clues Chronicle. Clues Chronicle. You can also find it at cluesforum.info. I'm like, it's not September Clues. Dang it. There's a thing. Oh, yeah. September Clues.info for um, the full 9 11 breakdown. That one's good to get into because it's actually really, really complete. It talks about the methodology of faking the the running building collapse scenes, um, the fake victims and everything. It's really, it's a good place to understand the depth to which like Hollywood techniques are used in propaganda. Yeah, that they're so good at, that thing that they're so good at. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood is so exactly. good at faking stuff. They would never fake it with us. It's like marrying a liar, you know. Everybody knows he lies. Everybody knows. And you're like, you never lie with me. They lie all the time. That movie was a lie. They didn't really, you know, jump off the cliff and fly. That's a lie. Right, right. <laughs> That's a lie. That's a lie. I know he lies, but he'd never lie to me. That's kind of what people <laughs> are doing here with the media. Totally. And then guess what? Guess what I found out? <gasps> you lied to me. <gasps> me. Even though I knew you were lying to everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that's true. True. Yeah, no, it's well, it's, it's a discovery process. That's where I'm at. Oh, you lied to me. How dare you? We have a <laughs> that's healthy. You would fulfill my every fantasy, but tell me the truth when I wanted you to. <laughs> <laughs> The media. I'm talking to the media. Right, right. No, I get you. That's uh, yeah. That's that's a healthy emotion, though. I mean, betrayal is like a real thing. It's like, hey, you took advantage of my trust. That's not cool. Oh, September clues man revealed that betrayal <laughs> in a big way. Yeah, that was it. Thank yeah. you, Simon Jack. <laughs> yes, thank you, Simon Jack. Something that the world. I hope we'll understand oh, yes. soon. Oh, I agree. I hope too. And you know what? We also have future people who will receive these recordings and see view September clues. So for those two who are not here yet or, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. That's, that's exciting. You know, leaving a little footprint. <laughs> it's a tiny little footprint, but it's still there. <laughs> yeah, we're here. We're we're making some noise, as little as it is, and hopefully some folks get some benefit out of that. All right. Well, this was fun. I enjoyed chatting with you. We need to do it again soon. Yes, soon. Right. I'm back from vacation, so this should be... Let's Let's squeeze another one out of August if we can. Yes, I like that idea. Okay. Okay, well, uh, talk to you soon, Kay, and hey, have a great time in uh, Texas. Oh, that's right. I'm meeting the Hulk's buddies in Texas. Chris and yeah. a listener and Sean and maybe another, your friend, maybe. That would be fun. Yes, that'd be really awesome. Um, we got to, uh, if you guys don't get a chance to do a podcast there on someone's show, like hoaxbusters call or something or anyway um it's so let's, hard, we should do it? we should we should do a review oh 
next episode like like hey how did it go and what was it like to meet with other researchers and right oh and rochelle's also going and farce value great awesome make sure to invite them too, please to the next show because maybe we could do another like yeah maybe one of them would be interested yeah oh and chris from oklahoma from hoaxbusters obviously i don't think i said his name yeah so yeah they're nice folk but you know so you've done this right people are like why didn't you record something but when we Mm -hmm. were together in italy how hard would it it would just didn't feel right did it no, no, because it was more about just like hanging out and getting to know each other and like being friends. It wasn't really about the show, but it'd be it would be cool. It just it 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 puts you in a different mode because you're just like, oh, I, I guess we have to do this now. But why can't we just like keep eating pizza and like walking around like <laughs> right instead of throwing facts at each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, right. Like, let's celebrate each other's company by broadcasting. I don't know. Oh, and then we can that talk doesn't... personal, too. That's the thing. It's like, if we're talking yeah. personal, we don't want that personal stories to be on tape. That's not fun. That's... No. That's no, not really what this is about, you know? Like, hopefully, you just, yeah, benefit from it in and bring it bring the information back to your own community, you know? And honestly... It felt a trifle to discuss conspiracy theories at that point. True. You know, it's like the last thing I wanted to do. We were with each other. It was so cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Conspiracy theories are supposed conspiracy theories. (laughs) But we were real. We're right there. Yeah. So that was awesome. Can't wait to do it again sometime. Yeah. I hope I can make it one of these, one of these times soon, soon. Yeah, you just got home. I'll give you a chance to rest. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks. Okay, take care, Kay. All right, you too. Nice to talk again. You too. And ready? Oh, yeah. Let's let's keep keep it it real real together. together.